Yeah, a lot of things are close right now. So the first one was the spirit of Antichrist. And we talked about that, and we, we put some bombshell information out there. I, I think it's on the website by now. You can go listen to it. And then the second one was the spirit of anointing, because there's, the, there's a new spirit, of, there's a new anointing coming upon the church. And it's an Elijah anointing that's coming. And it's, it's settling on the church, and we're going to be able to do great exploits, and we're going to have great persecution. And I think, I think the main thing I want to warn you about more than anything else is that please do not get it in your head that you're not going to have any persecution. Well, God's going to rapture us and we, you know, we're, going to, you know, we're too good for all that. No. I told you more people have died for Christ in the last 100 years than the previous 1,900 years. Don't tell me, Christians, don't tell me, oh, God's going to not let us go. We may, listen, I know you don't like this, but we might be wrong about that rapture thing. It might be at the end of the tribulation. I'm not telling you what to believe because I could sit here and I could prove doctrinally <laughs> doctrinally that the rapture is at the beginning and in the middle and at the end and some people believe in three raptures so there's that so uh believe whatever you want but be ready be ready be ready be ready because the church and you see what's happening in society and uh things are rapidly changing look how look how the radical left has responded to the Palestinian horror. They're okay with burning babies. But don't say anything about their gender. You know, that's cruel. Anyway, that just I didn't I haven't begun my sermon yet. So you see how they could change rules and come against us, and it'll start financially and other ways, and the mark of the beast eventually, and all that stuff, and we're going to have some challenging times, maybe very soon. But all, the, all that was there. Today I want to talk about the spirit of Antioch, and I want to talk about this church, Antioch, and what it means for us today, what it meant back then, and the history. I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. You all up for that? <laughs> and uh, look at the, some of the early church a little bit because we need to get back to that. Uh, and by the way, we say, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to be beheaded. I'm going to be raptured. And yet, yet all, the, all the apostles were tortured. Apostles were tortured, died. Peter nailed to a cross upside down. Paul, come on. They all died. <laughs> martyrs, apostles. I know you think you're greater than an apostle, but there's no guarantee. And we need to be ready, be ready, be ready. A lot of people can't come to church if they're tired. I don't know, I don't know if they're going to be able to come to church if you're going to be persecuted for coming. I mean, COVID wiped out a third of the church. They probably weren't worth us in the first place. I'm not talking about this church. 
This church grew during COVID. <laughs> we, we gained families during COVID. During COVID, people were joining the church and they hadn't even met a third of you. Maybe that's why they, okay. Never, never. I, I mean, I'm talking about 50 families. I mean, I mean, God's good. But there's a lot of churches, I mean mega churches, that have lost thousands of people and they're never coming back, they say. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, maybe that was the great falling away. Maybe that's an example of the great falling away. I don't know. But there is going to be a great falling away because of the persecution, because people aren't being discipled, they're being entertained. They're being entertained in the churches today, so there's, a great, there's going to be a great falling away of these people that, uh, that were in church for maybe all the wrong reasons. But there's also going to be a great revival. When I say revival, I'm not just talking about emotions. I'm talking about the power of God coming upon the church like it did in the first century. The dead raised, people healed. Arms healed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for praying. God's going to bless you for that. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All right. So let's take a look at the church of the first century. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Are you with me? Acts chapter 2, verse 40. These are the verses immediately after the day of Pentecost. When 3,000 people got saved with one sermon. When I was first saved, I thought, if that ever happens again in the world, that's got to be the end of the world. And now it happens like in Africa and South America a lot. 3,000 people getting saved, one sermon. It's happening today. Come on, church. So we're seeing this come again, and, and the dead are being raised, and, and we're seeing miracles, just not a whole lot in America or Europe. I think that's our problem. That's not God's problem. So let's describe the church immediately after 3,000 people get saved. I don't know what I'd do if 3,000 people got saved. I don't know where we'd put them. What would we do? How would we disciple them? You might have to get to work. Oh, oh you're going to close down on me now. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Well, we got it again. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Next verse. And they continued steadfastly, here we go now, description, got me? In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, communion, and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Are you getting the picture? And sold their possessions and goods. I'm not going to make you do that. And divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing 
daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Kind of like two things there, right? There's those who are being saved, but they need to be added to the church. So real quick, let me go through these eight points. And this is, this is the vision that we need to catch for the last days. You ready? Okay, let's go through these real quick. I know eight points is going <laughs> to, you think, oh my God. Well, there's seven after the eight, so hang in there. No, I don't need to say a lot. I just need to get them out there. So I think we have a chart. We could throw it up there. But number one, they preached the word. The word. Not politics, not newspapers. We need to preach the word. We need to say, what, what, what is thus saith the Lord? That has to be our vision. And I think it has been and always will be. The second one care and share. We need to really step up because the persecution's coming. We need to start taking care of each other better. So we need more people. You know, there's like, uh, Sister Larry and Diane, they, they'll, they'll tell you there's like 40 people involved in pastoral care in this church. 40 people. I don't know of any church anywhere that does that, uh, especially at this size church. But we need to care for people and share our resources. And you've done that. I, I remember times that there's been, you know, I don't come to you a lot. Maybe once a year I'll come with a certain need. But man, when, you, when we do and it's real, you respond. So we need to care and share. That's what they did in the early church. Okay? Number three, unity and agreement. This doesn't mean we have to believe everything the same. It means we need to agree on Jesus. It's, oh, we got to get all our doctrine straight. No, we, we, listen, we can, you know what? You know the biggest revelation, I believe, when we get to heaven? The biggest revelation is going to be this, how wrong we were. <laughs> because we, th we think we know the church of God is right, hallelujah to the Lamb. All denominations have different beliefs, but we're going to heaven. Listen, we're going to be wrong about some things. We misinterpret Scripture. Nobody has an edge on this stuff. I mean, you know, we could disagree a little bit. Now, the basics we got to. Jesus has to be the Son of God. <laughs> Amen. And he needs to be born of a Virgin Mary. And the Word of God is God's Word. I mean, there are certain things that we, that we, that we absolutely have to agree on, but there's little things like the rapture that maybe we can disagree about, and it's okay. But the point is, we need to agree that whatever thus saith the Lord, that's what we're going to do. Whatever God tells this church to do and go and be, that's exactly what we're going to do and where we're going to be. Amen. Give God praise if you're with me. Unity and agreement. The Holy Spirit does not fall on confusion. The Holy Spirit does not fall on disagreement, division. He falls when they're all in one accord. 
And that's not a Honda. Signs and wonders. Who's in agreement? That needs to be our vision. We need to pray for that, believe for that. It's not the, you know, not the thing we focus on first, right? We focus on Jesus. We focus on worship. But we need to start believing. God, send signs and wonders like you did with the apostles in the first century. Jesus said, greater things will you. We need to be a house of prayer. A house of prayer. And y'all proved it during tabernacles where there was at least, at least one person in the sanctuary 24-7 for seven days. Oh, God's going to honor that. Amen. And by the way, when you, it, it says in scriptures that when you prayed during tabernacles, that was a special prayer that rebuked famine and disease and the plague. It's no wonder God blessed us during COVID. I'm not praying for another one, but hallelujah. God blessed us during COVID. All right. House to house. I want you to hear this. I've said this before. The early church did not have a building in the Roman Empire anyway. They did not have a building for 300 years. They met in homes. And I know in Rome, when they couldn't meet in, Rome, in, in homes anymore, they met in the catacombs. Now, now get this picture of your brother or your sister martyred, thrown to the lions, and brought into the catacombs for burial, and you walk past them on your way to church. That'll do something to you. (laughs) Worshiping in the cemetery. But it was the greatest move of God the church had ever seen. And it was because of signs and wonders. But it was also because of caring and sharing. We see, when somebody was hungry in the streets, it was the Christians that took care of them. When somebody's parents died and the children were orphaned, there were no orphanages. You just went out in the street and tried to live as best. The church took the orphans in. When your husband died and you didn't have any children and you couldn't take care of yourself, there was no social security. There was the church. And I'm not talking about just take care of Christians. They took care of everyone that they could and they became Christians. That's the vision we need to have. we got to stop relying on the government and start taking care of people. It takes resources. It takes money. But it's there. The miracle is in the house. Uh, House to house. They didn't have churches. They met in homes. They met in Peter's home. We know that. I've been to Peter's home. Man, I was like, what an awesome feeling. Because that really probably was Peter's home. That was later a church was built right on that site. And it's, oh, it's cool. But. People met in small groups in homes. It's how they survived. And we need to get back to that. Yeah. I know you're too busy. But so much, listen, everything that happens 
in the spirit realm doesn't happen always around the pulpit. Some of it happens around the table. And we need ministry around the table. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about your kitchen table. There's ministry that has, there's things that will never happen in your life, never happen around the pulpit, but it'll happen around the table. And we need to get more of you to rise up and say, all right, I'll start a group. All you need is four or five people. Let's get a group going. Let's meet once a week, once a month, and let's, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's believe God. Let's share. Let's take care of each other. How did 3,000 people get discipled? Man, challenging. There were 120 in the upper room. How many believe every one of them started a house church? And they, and they began to minister and disciple, and they had to teach them from scratch the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings of the apostles, right? The Word. And lastly, just plain old fellowship. Plain old fellowship. Plain old fellowship. You know, just having an event here. Don't, don't go home. Stay in fellowship. Meet some people you hadn't met before. Let, fellow, the word fellowship means to celebrate what we have in common. And what we have in common is the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can get along with anybody that has the same DNA as me. Are you following me? All right. So that was the vi- that's the vision we want to look at. And I haven't even got to Antioch yet. Are you still with me? A little history. So right after the resurrection, there, there, there is some persecution of the church. And Saul comes along. And some theologians believe that Saul was probably actually in charge of all the persecution in the Jerusalem area, in the Judea area. He was the man in charge of killing Christians. Okay? And as we go into that first year, the first year after the resurrection of Christ, that's a time of great persecution. Saul is killing the saints. People are dying. We have, um, that's when Stephen was martyred, right? Stephen is, uh, he's a converted Jew. He's a Greek by nature. Uh, remember, they had the, the first controversy in the churches. What are we going to do with these widows? Somebody needs to take care of them. And the apostles said, look, I, we can't be preaching the word and doing all. So what did they do? They appointed deacons. They appointed seven deacons. Stephen was one of them, Philip. And they appointed these deacons and, 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 the, and the controversy was a little deeper than you think because they weren't just, they weren't Jewish uh, widows. They were Greek Jews. See, there's a difference between Jews born and raised in Jerusalem and Jews from Greece or Turkey or Rome. Uh, they're, they're converts or they, they left, you know, generations ago, uh, Babylon, you know, and, and they're coming back. They're Jews, but they don't even speak Hebrew. Most of them speak, speak Greek or Latin, which is the language of the empire at that time. All right. So 
we've get, we get Saul and a lot of the Greek Jews scattered. And this is when the church at Antioch, among other churches, got started. Antioch is in south. You got your maps in your head? Southeast Turkey on the border. Southeast Turkey. Pretty close to Syria. I know that helps some. That doesn't mean a thing to some of you. Some of you don't know where Kentucky is. All right, listen. Anyway, so Antioch was formed, and at first it was formed from, uh, from uh, Jews, but then over, over the next few years, non-Jews started getting saved. Now remember Peter gets the vision, and he goes to Cornelius' house, and the Holy Ghost falls. And people that aren't Jews are speaking in tongues. We can't have this. What is, you know, they couldn't fight it. I mean, if they get the Holy Ghost, they must be on equal par with the Greek, with the Jews. <gasps> well, we're not, by Jewish law, we're not even allowed to touch them. <laughs> Much less speak to them. But how many know that all that, Jew, all the Jewish stuff starts to, fall away. So the Greeks start getting saved after Cornelius. And they begin to get saved in Antioch. And Antioch becomes the center of, of, of the Gentile world. Okay? And about, about three years, three to four years after the resurrection, about a year after Saul gets saved, his name is changed to Paul. He goes to Arabia, to the desert, for three years. Three years, he's all alone. He's praying. He's seeking God. Listen, even Paul had to get ready. Three years in the desert. He comes out of the desert, and now Herod, now this is not the Herod that, per, that killed babies when Jesus was a baby. This is his grandson, so Herod, the Tetrarch, is king of Judea, and he resumes the persecution. And he's the one that arrests Stephen. Remember Stephen? And he gets killed. And the Jews liked it, so then he said, well, this, I'm getting away with this. He, then he puts, he puts Peter in prison, right, right? Remember what happens to Peter? He just walks out of the prison. You know, the angel just opened the door and he walks out of the prison. Remember they're, remember they're praying and they, he knocks on the door? <laughs> and, and, the, and the servant girl goes, runs back and says, Peter's at the door. And they said, no, that's not Peter. It might be his angel. They had more faith I mean, how many angels have they been seeing? They thought it would be nor more normal to see an angel than to see Peter out of the prison. But it was Peter, and the church, the church was in there praying for Peter, and, and he gets released. But, but the persecution under Herod became so bad that finally the apostles scatter. This is weird. What did Jesus tell them to do? 
go to the ends of the earth. For about four years, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Whoops. It took persecution for them to finally scatter. I know I, I could, we, we could go through all 12, and every one of them has a story. Because they went, some of them went as far, as far west as Spain. And some went as far east as India. Thomas went to India. And some think he went to China. If, if it wasn't him, some of his disciples went to China. Some of them went as far south as Ethiopia. They, they, they preached the gospel, but it took persecution for them to finally realize we need to get out of town. Now, the one who stayed in town was James. Now, this is, this is the Lord's brother, James. I, 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 by the way, I, I made a mistake. Stephen was the first one persecuted. James was the second one that was martyred at this time under Herod. James, one of the apostles. But there's three James. There's James the Less. I don't know how he got that title. And James the Greater. And then there's James the Brother of the Lord. And we assume that's the Lord's brother. And he becomes head of the church. And he, he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. Whew, praise God. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother? What was that like? Your whole life, what was that like? So, um, so he's in charge, and, and, and they had conflicts and so forth, and they, they would bring it. But Antioch becomes the ministry hub. Jerusalem is still the capital city, you know, of, of Christianity. But Antioch becomes the ministry hub. So let's look at it. Now, I gave you a little bit of history lesson. We're like four years after the... Uh, Four or five years after the resurrection, and Antioch is a thriving church. They're sending missionaries everywhere. Let's look at the description, and we'll get, a, we'll get our mission. You ready for the mission? Acts chapter 11, verse 1. I know this is a weird sermon. Are you okay? But sometimes we just got to talk. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea, that's Jerusalem, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, that's the Jews who were saved but still believed you had to be circumcised to be a Christian. Anybody glad that's done with? That make altar calls so difficult. <laughs> And when Peter came, those of the servants contended with him, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. Ooh, you're unclean. Now, these are Christians. But Peter explained to them in order from the beginning. I won't go through this whole story, but let me, let me remind you. I was in the city of Joppa, that's near the coast, uh, in a trance, and I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me, Okay. And he had this vision. I observed it intently and considered. I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. All this food you're not supposed to eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. Boy, we could learn a lesson there. When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. 
Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen uh, traveled as far as the first persecution, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. That's the first scattering when the apostles didn't leave. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Cleveland, Tennessee. Okay, you got my word? And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And, you know, we better check this out, right? We got to control things. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Way to go, Barnabas. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to go get Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. That's the first place Paul ministers. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and what? Taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They kind of had the name in Jerusalem, the way. They were the people of the way. But they were first called Christians in Antioch. And that's because they looked like, acted like Christ. I'm not sure everyone should take the name so quickly. Oh, Lord. Bad pastor. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now about that time, Herod the king, remember Herod? Stretched out his hand to harass him from the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. Isn't it always interesting that persecution comes during a Jewish holiday? So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Okay, Herod. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. I hate it when that happens. But, say but. The word of God grew and multiplied. He tried to kill it, but the word grew and multiplied. The more they try to stamp us out, oh Lord, the more we're going to grow and prosper. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Hold, hold it right there. Hold it right there. Go back. So Barnabas, uh, Barnabas is a Greek. Uh, Simeon is an African. Lucius is from Libya. Manaean is from Rome. 
These were the prophets. You think we have a mixed church here? More on that later. Next verse. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away into the mission field. Mm -hmm. Okay? I think that's it. Okay. So here we go. What are the seven things they're doing here? Will you give me seven minutes? How many believe I could do this in seven minutes? Uh, faith is weak. And this is why we can't get, this is why we can't have revival either. Number one, we need to have a prophetic ministry. We need people who know how to get a hold of God. We need more people who know how to hear from God. And aren't afraid to share that information. And let's, 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 let's find out. Listen, uh, even a child, God can speak to a child. He spoke to a donkey once. He used chickens. I mean, the cock crowed. If he can use a rooster, he can use me. Amen. So, we need, we, need, uh, we need to understand that it's not about just the head getting there. Everyone. Moses said, I would that everyone could prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? It doesn't mean to just predict the future. It means to say what God tells you to say. It's speaking the words of God. Wow. Do you always get it right? No, because it goes through a filter. <laughs> and some of you have really bad filters. They're like your furnace filter. You really should have changed that six months ago. By the way, I went to the store and bought new filters. Aren't you proud of me? Amen. They're not in the furnace yet, but I did, I did buy new filters. <laughs> Amen. So we need a prophetic church in the last days. That means we need more prophetic people. Number two, we need to disciple people. More than ever before. We can't just let people get saved and let them go. We've got to decide. We've got to teach. On Sunday morning, you've got to allow me to really get into the Word and not just, not just preach words to encourage you. I, know I, I go to a lot of these meetings sometimes, and it seems that you could summarize all the sermons with just a few words. You can make it. I know. Like every sermon is, you can make it. Yeah. I know. I'm beyond that. I'm going to make it. Devil can do what he's going to do, but I've made up my mind. I'm going. I'm getting there. I'm going to be. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. It's nice to be reminded of that. But I would like to get into the deep things of God and hear what the Word is really saying to this generation. So we need a discipleship ministry that will prepare. That's what I'm doing in these three messages. I want to get you ready. Don't you come on Judgment Day and say, Well, I missed two out of three Sundays. Well, get on the website. I'm doing what I can do. He that hath ears to hear, let them hear. Is that Bible? 
Number two, we need to fast and pray. We need, this needs to be a house of prayer. That, that's how it needs to be characterized, a house of prayer. It's not a house where you just get your way. It's a house of prayer. It's not a house for you. It's a house for him. It's not your house. It's his house. All right, I spent my minute on that. I'm going to spend a little more time. I'm going to spend more than a minute here, less than a minute here. Okay, number three, we need to be an inclusive church, and we are. I think we've proved that. We have proved that for decades. Amen? But someone has said that the worship hour is the most segregated hour in America. I don't know what it is about Christians. I, I think it's just, well, I do know. It's human nature to want to gather with people that we are like. Yes, We're comfortable with people like us. There's an example right here in Mansfield, very good example. There's a church downtown called the First English Lutheran Church. And the first time I saw that, it was like, well, duh, we're all, we all speak English. What, what? Because when Mansfield was first founded by a lot of German folk, a lot of them spoke German, didn't speak English. So they had a Lutheran church, but they had the services were in German. For Stanzi? Ich verstehe? Du verstehe? Oh, ich weiß nicht, you do sprechen Sie Deutsch. That's about all I know. That's my name. I always say, ein bisschen Deutsch. A little bit of Deutsch. That's about it. So uh, eventually there were English speaking Germans, Lutherans, and so they had their church. There's a church in town now, it's the Korean church. You know, and I get it. I get it. You're a Korean. You don't speak English. Wow, what a, what a blessing that would be to find a group of Koreans and worship with them together. You're all from Korea. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But that's not really how it's supposed to work. Lord, they're quiet on me. I've been the pastor here, what, 41 years, and we've been And I don't mean to offend anyone, but when I first came, it was a West Virginia, Kentucky church. In Roseland, right? And everybody there was from Kentucky and West Virginia. On the long holidays, we would just, just about cancel church. Because everybody was gone. Everybody went south. I, I met a pastor down there once. I said, man, your churches must be full on the holidays. He said, no, our people go to Florida. There you go. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. That's fine. Nothing wrong with those people. <laughs> I've... Somehow, this, this German, I fit in somehow. They accepted me. I was the only, only one like that in that church. And that was fine. But I asked the question, is that, do we want to reach other people? Or do we just want to reach people with that heritage? And we decided, no, we want to be, we want to reach everybody. So we outgrew that church, and instead of building there in Roseland, we came out here so that people from Michigan, we should have thought through that better. We could have made one exception. 
people from Michigan, people that weren't raised in Vanceburg. You know. I don't know how many people could come. How could that many people come out of Vanceburg? There can't be anybody left, Donna. Jeez. Not a week goes by. I'm from Vanceburg. Oh, my God. I... So we're gonna, we want to reach Ohioans. <laughs> and, and so we came out here, and we built, this, we built that building, and, and then we added on the, the fellowship hall. And, but in, that, was, that was we came out here in, in, in the 80s. I, I passed, started pastoring here in 82, 86. I think we moved out here. And uh, then in 1990, I made a decision. I shared it with the church. I said, you know what? Uh, Richland County doesn't have a lot of ethnic groups, but, but 10% of the population is African-American. So why isn't our church at least 10% African-American? Are we for this community or not? So in 1990, we made an effort. We didn't, it didn't just happen. We made, uh, those of you that are with me, you remember, we made it. We, said, we prayed about it. We want this to happen. We want everyone. Anyone who walks through that door, they ought to see somebody who looks like them, and they ought to be comfortable to come here. Amen. And guess what? We found out a couple people were prejudiced. <gasps> They're gone. They're either gone or hiding out there. Because we wouldn't put up with it. It's a sin. It's a sin. Let's just be honest. It really is. So we fought through that. And Sister Bernice Murphy, I think she was the first one. Old Mother Murphy, y'all remember her? Oh, my God, what a, what a saint of God she was. And, and we grew. And I, I think we're, uh, we never can get everyone here at one time. But I think we're about 10%. And I, and, and I praise God for that. He said, well, what, what, what about the, uh, what, what about the Latinos? Well, there's just not that many in Mansfield. There's, there's one that we know of. And we've reached Asia. I don't know why I keep messing with you. <laughs> Amen. There's not a lot of Asians in Mansfield, but... Uh, I, I want every, listen, but it's not just that. Then we, then we talked about the green hairs. We talked, it's not just about race, it's about generations. It's about have, letting people, and people need to feel comfortable who have never been in a church in their life. We're meeting so many people, never been to a church in their life, had no idea what it's about except all the weird stuff on, you see on TV. And they need, the, the young people need to come out of here. And, it does, and, and now green hair is nothing. Now it's a lot of weird things going on. But, but I don't care what they look like, what they smell like, what their past is, who they know, who they don't know. If they walk in here, they are welcome in the name of Jesus. And no one's going to take them aside and rebuke them. And, and I heard about a church, and I thought we were over there. I heard about a church just recently, a church of God, where, where a lady came up, and she was scantily dressed, and she came up to the altar for prayer. And while she's praying, a saint well, actually, the saint wasn't there. It was an ain't. Came up and whispered in her ear while she's praying, oh, we're so glad you're here, but you need to, you need to change. 
Was that really necessary? I'm not condoning immodesty, but you know what? The Holy Ghost takes care of that. When Jesus lives in you, it, all that takes, it, it finds a way. It, it takes care of itself a lot of ways. They get under conviction. It's not my job. I'm not the moral police. I mean, we're going to preach the word, what's in the word, we're going to preach it, and people are going to get it, but I'm not a clothesline preacher. I'm not here to fuss at people about, about things that, that the Holy Ghost will just take care of. Come on, church. Amen. So now, now, now we, you know, we have, as far as numbers of households, it's almost the same. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60 and above. It's almost the same number of households in every age group. Can we praise God for that? I know if you're older, you think there's just old people here. That's because that's, if you're old, that's all you see is old people. If you're young, you look for the young people. Get over yourself. I got the numbers. I can prove it. Amen. All right. So we, this was a, why did I bring this up? Because there was a guy from Africa. There was a guy from Libya. There was a guy from Rome. There was a guy from Greece. There was a guy from Jerusalem. This church was from people all over the world. Antioch was, was a port city. It was one of the main trading hubs of the area. So people from all over the world were coming and going through Antioch. Amen. They had all kinds of cultures there. And, and, the, and the Jews back in Jerusalem had to get over themselves and realize God was saving everybody. Woo! Glory to God. So we need to be an inclusive church, not, a, not judgmental. If you're seeking Jesus, we're with you. Come on. If you're a witch trying to disrupt the church, we'll figure you out. We want a church that operates in the gifts I've joked before, we don't want to be an Amish church. We want electric tools. We want the power tools. Amen? We want power tools. Too many... That's better. And we need to be a worshiping church. When you come in here, don't just sit there, well, if they'll sing my song. No, just worship God. Well, they never sing the songs I like. Do you have a player at home? You can listen to your silly song 23 hours a day, 24 the other six days of the week. For one hour, we're going to sing what we feel led to sing. Amen. And finally, whoo, this church needs to reach the world. And because of our flung tin can, we and, and the significant amount of funds that we send, I think we could safely stand before the judgment seat one day and say we have touched so far nearly every continent on the planet. Not only that, if you know the ministry, Kyle's ministry, he doesn't go where other people go. He goes to borrow Alaska where they don't see anyone hardly at all. He goes to the jungles of Thailand. He, he, he's in the backwoods of, of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Africa. 
I always want to say Madagascar, but that's an island. That's not the right one. Mozambique, right? He goes 500 miles up the Amazon River to a village that the government didn't know existed. And an entire village gets saved, and they build a church there. They go back a few years later. They just went, right? He goes to the floating islands. They've been floating on these islands for 2,000 years, separated from all society, never heard of the name Jesus. Now there's a church on that floating island, and people are being saved. Entire, entire islands are being saved. They go to that mining city, 50,000 people up there mining for gold and silver, no police if you strike it rich, don't tell anybody or you're dead. They will steal it from you. And they're out there preaching Jesus. Why did I say that? Jesus says, I'm going to come back when the gospel is preached to the whole world. I tease Kyle all the time. I said, Kyle, you're making Jesus come back early. Because he's going where no one else wants to go. I don't know why they don't go. They're afraid. They're not equipped. There's no money in it. These are poorest of the poor. There's no money in it. I doubt that he has any hopes of there ever being money coming from the places he goes. That's not where the money comes from. He said, Dad, every morning I just get up and I look at the list of things I have to have that day. Financially, he has to pay for it. And by the end of the day, God provides. Doesn't mean it's easy. How would you like to live like that? Amen. His boss is himself. <laughs> There's no money in the account. He doesn't get paid. Come on. In fact, he's gone a few weeks. If, if it's not there, it's not there. But you believe God until it's there. Amen. So here we see. We see the seven. We need to be a prophetic church, a discipling church, a worshiping church, a fasting and praying church, an inclusive church, a church that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to reach the world and our own world here. How about that for a mission statement? How many are on board with this? And go back to the vision statement. How many are on board with that vision with that vision of the church that we see right after the day of Pentecost. I think it would serve us well if we can get back to these things. And I think we're 80% there, right? But I, I just, I just want to be that church. I just realize someday I'm going to stand before the Lord, not just for my life, but as pastor, I have to present you to the Lord. And some of you are not making me look good. <laughs> but some of you are making me look really good. Better than I deserve. But we're going to present. This, I, don't, I don't know how that works. So I, don't know how that, I don't know how that. But, but I, I, I hope. My first sermon was. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Thou good and faithful on the, on the preacher Facebook thing, there was a young minister. He says, I'm just being transparent. He said, I'm struggling. 
doesn't seem like anybody cares. It's a smaller church. He says, I, I don't run with the big dogs. I don't have any connections. First generation pastor like I was. And he says, I, I'm just discouraged. Yeah, the church isn't moving like I want it to. And everyone's giving him all this advice. And I just wrote him back and I just said, listen, on the day of judgment, he's only not going to ask you how many people in the seats. Not going to ask you how much money you raised. He's not going to ask you how many were seated. He's going to want to know how many you sent. God wants to know, have you been good and have you been faithful? And if he says that over me, that's all I care about. I don't need any, boy, you had a big church. Woo, woo, woo. No, I just want to know, was I okay? Was I faithful? God, enter the joy. Just be faithful. Good. A good servant. Come on. Be a good servant and faithful for in the day of judgment. And I'm, but he's going to also, I hope he'll also say to me as pastor, your church was good. And I, I can't control all that. I, I can't make you do anything. I learned that real quick. I learned that before I even came here. Can't make people do anything. Someone said the other day, you know that old phrase, you can't, you can lead a horse to water. No, you can't make him think. <laughs> I like that one better. <laughs> I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you think about it. But I think there's a willingness here. There's a spirit. Please, don't ever, don't ever get it in you. Oh, we're better than anyone. No, it's, it's not about that. We're not comparing ourselves to other churches. I'm not into that. Uh, I love everybody and every denomination. I Listen, if they love Jesus, even if they don't love Jesus, I guess I got to love them too, right? No, no, it, it's not about that. I'm not in any competition with anybody. Not, it's not about any kind of competition. I, the only one I want to please is Jesus. I don't even have to make you happy. I just got to make him happy. And I think if I do that right, you're going to be okay with that because you want to please Jesus. Is that a good vision for the church? Is that a good mission for the church? Amen. The spirit of Antioch. We want that church. That's sending to the four corners of the earth. A church that's inclusive. A church that's saving people and raising them up and discipling them. That's a house of prayer. House to house ministry. That's the kind of church we need. And I believe that's the kind of church we need for these last days. It'll get us through whatever tribulation we have to go through if we'll stick together. And be good to each other. And love one another. And pray and fast and disciple. That's what we need. Stand to your feet. I'm, I'm done. I didn't do too bad. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah.
You know, something about the church never changes. We love to eat together. And apparently they loved to eat back then. But there was just something about opening up your house. And it wasn't just the house and the food. You know what it was? They were thinking back to the Last Supper. They thought about that last meal they had with Jesus. And Jesus said, do this. Keep doing this. Meet around a table with 12 people. Keep doing this until I come back. And, and, and do it even if some of them don't know what you're doing. And by the way, do it if even if one, one of them at the table is going to betray you. Have you all been watching that series, The Chosen? You've got to watch this. They take some liberties about, you know, background information and stuff, but they don't contradict Scripture. I tell you, that's season three. Messing me up. There's supposed to be six or seven seasons, but you really ought to watch it. It's on Prime. I think it's, I think it's on Peacock, I think. Ain't, or you can just download the app, and you can just get it on your uh, online. Really ought to start watching it. It's amazing. Life of Jesus. This guy, if, if he walked in right now, I'd say, Jesus. <laughs> he just acts like him. I think he really does. <laughs> can you imagine having to play Jesus and then meet him someday? And say, Did I do all right? <laughs> wow. Um, but watching the lives, the background information on the 12 and the women, the women, oh, wow how they really bring them to light. It's so great. Anyway, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you Whew. for your love and grace this morning. Thank you for the strength, the quickness that you give us. Father, I just, I know this has been strange, Lord, but it's what you gave me and feel like I delivered my soul and said what I needed to say. I feel like I, I said what you gave me to say. Father, make us the church of God. Make us the church of the firstborn. Make us worthy of the title Christian. Help us, Father, that we might be that good and faithful servant. Oh, God. Oh, I feel you in this place. We love you in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is here. Oh, Lord, a 